this is the Monocle Weekly and I'm Georgina Godwin. Who could fail to recognise the sound of ABBA? The Swedish pop group formed in Stockholm in 1972 by Agneta Folskog, Björn Jorveas, Benny Andersson and Annefried Lindstad. They became one of the best-selling musical acts in the history of popular music, topping the charts worldwide from 1974 to 1983 and again in 2021. After six years in the planning, ABBA Voyage is now up and running in London. It's a concert that Agneta, Bjorn, Benny and Annafried performed digitally with a 10-piece band during a residency that's due to run until May 2023. They've been working with a world-class creative team under the lead producer Svana Gisler, known for her work with David Bowie and Beyoncé, and the producer Ludwig Andersson, who worked across Mamma Mia!, The venue for the concert is in a purpose-built arena based in Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, which can accommodate 1,647 people seated and 1,353 standing members of the audience. I went to see the extraordinary show a few days ago and then returned to talk to the producers Svana and Ludwig. I am Ludwig Andersson and I am one of two producers of ABBA Voyage and we're right now sitting in the... ABBA Arena at Pudding Mill Lane in East London. I'm Svana Gisla. I am the other producer of ABBA Voyage. So let's begin at the beginning. How did it begin? Six years ago, an idea was brought to our offices in Stockholm, which means ABBA's offices. An idea that it could be possible to recreate human beings in a digital world. Originally, that was it. And usually, ABBA, who's been saying no to things for 40 years, which is part of their way of working, they for once thought, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Let's have a look at that. And to make a very long story very short, we did have a look at that, and we continued having a look at it for six years, and here we are. The first couple of years were spent in research and development trying to look at what's out there, what does exist, what technology does exist. And once we realized what technology there was, we started talking about, well, what can we do with that? And should we do anything with that? And once we decided, yes, we want to do something with that, what is that thing? And then we went into full production three years ago, maybe, and started talking and planning, and one thing led to another. And uh, one tends to forget, actually, how things happen. But all I know is that It's been six years and here we are. And I mean, I guess in that six years, technology must have continued to improve and advance. Oh yeah, technology moves incredibly fast. At some point, you've just got to put a stick in the ground and go, okay, we're going in at this entry point and we're sticking with that. The technology we use is is not new. We didn't invent it. It's motion capture and it's ILM's CGI in in a way. But it's it's the scale of it that's new. It's, It's how we use it that is new. It's the incredible level of perfection that they've achieved with that technology that is quite groundbreaking. And that requires a lot of time and a little bit of money and a very, very clear creative vision. It sort of becomes an exercise in restraint in a way when you start off with a blank sheet and and tell yourself that everything's available to you. Then it becomes an exercise in in breaking down what it is you actually need and leaving the rest behind, if that makes sense. So just describe to me what it is that a member of the audience is actually seeing when we sit here in this extraordinary auditorium. It's simple, really. It's a concert. And anyone coming to this place, I am pretty sure, will experience a concert. 
Now it's a concert unlike any other in the sense that, well, one has to start from the beginning. And that was that when we realized that what we wanted to do, we wanted to put ABBA in a concert environment to perform to people in the way we wanted to do it, we realized quite early on that we're going to have to build our own building. Because the amount of technology and the amount of, of light and sound and all those kinds of fixtures that we needed to, to make real the vision that we had could, one, not be moved quickly, so this was never going to be a quick touring thing. And two, because of the environment we wanted to create, which is this existence where the line between what's real and what's not gets blurred, where the border between digital and reality is erased, we needed to control the space to such an extent that we had to build our own building. Mm. So what you come and see here is a concert, but it's a, it's a super concert. It's a concert, uh, all enveloping, all senses included kind of concert. What are we actually watching? Are they holograms? No, they're not holograms. They are digital people. We haven't invented anything new in that sense. It's motion capture technology, uh, digital characters. But it is the space they are in and the environment they are in where nothing... I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to... And we've been trying to describe what this is for a long time. You can imagine all the interviews we did leading up to the opening night and, and all the talks we've been having about trying to describe this. The truth is, you, it, it's impossible. One has to come here and, and see this for yourself. Otherwise, you, you won't... I, I can't do it justice by trying to explain what it is you see, other than that you are in something that seems to be something wonderful, judging from the audience reactions so far. So sitting here as a member of the audience, what I was seeing was ABBA in their heyday, very clear to me that it couldn't possibly be them, and you were aware that somehow it wasn't quite real, but it was pretty real. What would you add to that? I, I think that's pretty spot on. I think you sit down and you know full well that uh, they're not there. You know, you can tell. But So your brain is telling you they're not there and your eyes are going, well, I beg to differ because I'm looking at them. <laughs> and your brain goes, yeah, but you know they're not there. And your eyes goes, well, I'm, I'm looking at them, so I'm just going to go with that. You hopefully settle in and, and just uh, <laughs> go with the, the emotions that the journey takes you on. And, and we get asked a lot about technology when we get asked about the show because it seems to be what people get fascinated by. But for us, we were never fascinated by the technology. It's a vehicle for something much, much, much more important that was the vision, really, which was not just to have Ab on stage and make them believable and all of that. It was to make the audience feel something. Mm. And... If you don't sit here and feel something, then it doesn't really matter what we've done, we would have failed. I believe in angels, something good in everything I see. I believe in angels, when I know the time is right for me, I'll cross the street. And I'm sorry to bang on about this, but he was talking about sort of pre-opening publicity. And of course, we all saw those pictures of the four members of ABBA wired up and basically being measured and every bit of them sort of, I suppose, rehearsing what we would eventually see. If you could just explain that a little. Yeah, so we spent five weeks in Stockholm with the four ABBAs. 
where we basically sucked the soul out of them <laughs> in a digital sense. So we covered them in dots and tight overalls and, and helmets and cameras and and uh, we put them on stage in a very, very bright, unforgiving light that gets very tiring to be in after a few minutes. And we made them perform for eight hours a day. And we captured with ILM and, and their hundreds of cameras every single movement, nuance, the DNA of their movement and their being, as Wayne McGregor puts it. There is a DNA of movement that we all have, of, of your physicality, of your character of your personality, it comes through with nuances within your face and your body and how you walk and stand, all those little things that we don't really notice. We captured all of that, so we captured their essence. And then we brought that information, that digital information, and developed that into what you then see here. So it's very much them that you are looking at. And as you said to me earlier, you don't want us to see below your skirts. You've got to keep <laughs> some magic back. And I, I, I just want to emphasize what Swan is saying. It's while being very technologically driven, if the audience would have come here and thought, wow, what cool technology, it would have been a yeah. complete failure. Because instead, what has happened, partly because we spent so much time on it, but we reach layers and levels of this experience that goes beyond just like, wow, how cool. People feel things here that I think they didn't expect to feel. We have been feeling things here that we didn't expect to feel. So there is an element of voodoo or some kind of magic that takes you on a, on a journey of some kind of philosophical level that we couldn't predict. Of course, we hoped we'd get there, but not until we had built it and actually done it did we know if it was going to happen. There is a layer of, and I don't want to get too pretentious about it, but there is a layer of time and life and death and all kinds of things that happens in here that wouldn't have happened if they had just put on a normal gig. That would have been great, wow, ab are back, but we wouldn't have gone to the place where we ended up with this had they done that. I think the result of what we did here was beyond everyone's expectations and, and it's something really special, if I may say so. I think you're absolutely right and in terms of, I would much rather see Aber at their heyday when I was in mine. I mean, so it, it makes you think, there they are, young, and I was watching them when I was even younger, and it, it makes you feel like you haven't kind of aged. <laughs> so it's quite flattering to the viewer, in a way. There are also, though, some live musicians on the stage. Tell us about the band. It was incredibly important to have the music being live. Obviously, the voices of ABBA are old recordings, although we've, you know, lifted them up and, and put them in an audio system that is the best we've ever heard. It needs to be a live concert. And we have a 10-piece band, seven women, three boys, and uh, it's, they're phenomenal. They're absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we found them before COVID, and we obviously got delayed a bit by COVID, as you can imagine. And they've stuck with us, and they've been through the journey with us and the rehearsals and the grueling months before we opened of fine-tuning every single inch of the show and and they are absolutely brilliant and they make this whole thing come alive they are the extra icing on the cake and uh, we're incredibly proud of them we just call them the band <laughs> and so are they singing along are they doing the backing they're playing it live tell us how that part of it works well everything is live except the voices of abba and of course that is then matched to a click track that the the band plays along too which is not a that happens in normal concerts yeah. as well that that the drummer has a click track in her ear and to keep the beat and maybe they have samples and stuff but we we use that click track of course to match up with ABBA that's also not like a particularly advanced 
everything. The only added layer is that everything in this entire space we're in all works to a time code. So everything matches up with that time code, including the live musicians. They're still very much live in the sense that they can, you know, the things can break, they can play the wrong chord, they can sing the wrong note, or they can be extra good or, you know. And I think that the audience feels that. Mm. So like Svana said, it's an incredibly important piece of this to connect, to be that bridge between what's happening in, in the fantasy world and what's happening in, in the space. So we're very happy about those 10 people. If you change your mind take a chance, on the first in line, honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got no place to go, when you're feeling down. I'd like to talk about the building now. First of all, the kind of technical side of it. The lighting is absolutely extraordinary. And as you were saying, you had the privilege of being able to build your own stadium from scratch. From the sort of performance point of view, tell us what we're looking at here. I mean, I'm looking up at the ceiling. There's a huge amount of equipment here. If you could just speak about that. Yeah, we made a decision very, very early on with our director, Bailey Walsh. We did a lot of overcompensating. We're being extra generous in a way that concerts can't often be. If you go on tour, you might have you know, one lighting system that does 10 or, or 15 different colors or things or whatever. Well, we have a lot of lighting systems. We have countless lighting systems and sometimes we only use one system and one song. That is sort of what we decided to do. And I don't want to spoil all the magic, but um, we worked with Christopher Bauder in Germany. We have a, a, the biggest kinetic lighting system in Europe, 85 disc kinetic system which is on a push-pull mechanism, so it moves around. It sort of dances in the air. I don't know if you noticed it. We have incredible lasers. Michael Solinger, also German, has developed his extraordinary lasers that blend colors that you may have noticed at one point, and we only use them twice, and they're extraordinary. So there's a lot of different things going on. It's, it's been one of the, the fun things to play with, and light is the connector between the digital and the physical. Yeah. That is as simple as it is. It clears the boundaries that Ludwig spoke about, the need to become invisible. Well, we did it with light. So light is coming from every single square inch of this arena and plays a very big part in the show. Ludwig, how permanent is this structure? Could you pack it all down and set it up somewhere else? In theory, yes. And it's perhaps slightly less movable than we originally thought. It might be taking a little bit longer to pack it all down and we have no intention of doing so. We want to stay here for as long as we possibly can. But theoretically, yes, we can take this all down and move it somewhere else, even if it takes a while. So we haven't broken any ground. The whole arena is basically put right on top of an old parking lot and uh, we can just take it all apart and move it. But as you, I mean, this is now, we don't have any imagery here, but it doesn't feel particularly temporary no. to any of us. And something else occurs to me when we're talking about this space, and that is that we're sitting in here now and, and people are running some tests and, and there are some things happening in every corner of the space and there's some sound tests happening, some visual tests happening. But it's very clear to me that right now she's asleep, she's dormant. So now what we're looking at is a light that we can see through everything, we can see up through the grid, we can see everything. But once she comes alive in the evening, 
this turns into a completely different space. It's almost as if I'm sitting here, having been here the whole time, I feel like this is not the same room that we walk in tonight with 3,000 people. It's a different universe altogether. So there's something with that thing of when everything is playing at once, when every light fixture, every sound source, every band member, every avatar on screen, and, and also the 3,000 people in the audience, when they are living in this space together, it becomes just something completely different. That's, you can build that, but you cannot know for sure that that is going to happen, even you know, with the meticulous planning and designing phase that we've been in. And uh, that's something really special. I'd like now to talk about the audience experience because, as you said, one of the luxuries is you can build this absolutely to spec. You're not restrained by 18th century crumbling buildings. And I was really, really struck by how streamlined it was, how easy it was, how access was easy, how you could see where to buy food, where to buy drinks. There were no queues or very small queues because there were so many outlets. Tell me a little bit about the thought behind that audience experience design. Firstly, you have no idea how happy you make us when you say this, because this is exactly, this was the dream. This was, we thought, can we possibly make an arena where that actually is the reality? It's always been a journey, this, for us. We always envisioned it as a journey. I mean, the name, the clue is in the name, the voyage, is that from the minute you, you purchase a ticket or the minute you step off the train station, you're ours you belong to us. So the minute you walk through the doors of the front of house here, you start your journey. That's where the ABBA voice starts. So the customer experience is as important as the show. If you have a horrible time out there, you're not going to be in a good mood when you come into the auditorium because you would have had a struggle. You know, no one likes to queue. No one likes to queue for the bathroom when they need to go to the bathroom. So that was incredibly, incredibly important. And, and it's been one of the things that we're so happy about. We also have the best staff in the world. We hired locally all of our visitors' assistants. 91% of them come from Newham and the boroughs around here. And I cannot praise them enough. They are f they, the best team we could ever have dreamed for. They are fabulous. They could not do enough for the guests. The access and team here that help with the wheelchair access and, and people with access needs, they will get you from the car park and walk you in and make sure you're comfortable and check. Like they, they could not do enough for you. They love working here. They love the show. They love each other. They've become really good friends. To be here around them and how proud they are to work here, it makes me emotional just talking about it. And they are such a big part of that experience of, of coming to the ABBA arena. Mm. And I don't know if you felt that, but this is their house and we've passed it over to them and they're taking great care of it. And it seemed to me that it's very streamlined. So you kind of, you, you, you can't buy a whole heap of stuff, but you can get a hot dog or a vegan hot dog. You can get Prosecco or mm. beer or whatever it is. And you've kept it simple and you pump it out to be blunt <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> what's well, nice as well because we thought about so what would we like to you come here in a group of people or friends and most 30% of our audience travels from abroad to come here so we thought we want cocktails on draft so we've got cocktails on draft and that's fabulous and we've got Prosecco flowing and and, uh, and and who doesn't like a nice hot dog but they have to be really really good hot dogs and they've got to be reasonably priced and they've got to be absolutely delicious so simplicity is a good thing as long as things are done well and in terms of the actual auditorium itself and the seating, I mean, there's obviously a lot more room than you would have in a normal London theatre. 
Yes, but this was also, we never compared ourselves to the theaters. We were always a concert. That was one of those fundamental decisions amongst ourselves that what is this? Well, it's not a West End show, it's a concert. Which is why, for example, half of the audience is on the dance floor or, or standing. And you can buy just standing tickets? Yes, of course. And, and that gives a completely different experience to where we are sitting now, which is we're in pretty good seats here where we're sitting, which is great. But being on the floor is something else, as, as it is at, at a concert. Some people prefer that because you can dance and move around and walk around and find different angles. And some people prefer to sit. But it was always going to be a concert. So that was, I think, the decision to not have everyone seated was an important one and one that was taken early on and that was based on the simple fact that this is a concert and, and not, a, not a West End show in that sense. Mm. I'd like to talk about the demographic now. You said that 30% of people come from overseas. Looking around my fellow audience members, two things struck me. One, everybody was happy. <laughs> and two, I could not pin down the demographic. It's a very, very wide demographic. We're really delighted to see lots of families starting to come now because ABBA fans can be very young. They can be eight years old and they can be 80 years old. And we have all of them here. 30% come from abroad. We, we have a lot of people from mainland Europe. We've got a lot of people from America. The Australians have always loved ABBA, so they're always present. It's an audience of all ages, which is another thing that makes it so special. And another thing that I can't think of any immediate examples of another concert where you would get that demographic mm. uh, it's a very joyful atmosphere here yeah I mean I really did feel that I mean what I expected I suppose was middle-aged women all tanked up on Prosecco and of course there was an element of They're that here too, yes. <laughs> but it's we, much we, wider we, we like them very much yeah. but no but it is very wide and we of course try to keep track of that and see who's coming and who wants to be here and the truth is uh, it seems like everyone us, yeah. which of course is amazing from every perspective and uh, each night is just this magical love party it affects everyone yeah. ABBA fan or not there's something in here that, that really gets to people about money what did it cost it costs 140 million pounds so pretty much cost more money than anything's ever cost ever uh, <laughs> it will take more time to recoup than anything ever it's an interesting thing this because of course this is a, a commercial venture I mean look around of course this is a business but that was never our brief from ABBA we never really saw it like that not that we're being naive but we didn't allow ourselves to think in those terms when we made this show. It was always made with a different intention than to make money or recoup money. It was made to make the best possible concert we could possibly make. That was our brief. That was the goal, to make the best night out for people that they have ever had, starting from the minute they walk in. That was the brief. So, yes, it's incredibly expensive. I have no idea when it's going to recoup, but it was never about the money. And I mean, the audience can come in an hour and 45 minutes early, so they're spending from that time. But in terms of making the money back and that perhaps not being the primary concern, is this just ABBA, who clearly never need to work again, giving something back to the world? Yes, in a way. I mean, partly the first funding for this came from ABBA themselves. So, in fact, as of yet, they are not making any money off of this, as far as I know. They might, you know, if people keep coming to see the show. But exactly like Svana says, we've had the luxury 
of being told make something extraordinary and we said okay it's going to cost this much and our lovely investors who obviously know how to read a balance sheet looked at it and of course saw that this is an incredibly risky thing at the time we didn't know if anyone was going to buy a single ticket and they did it anyway and i think they did it because they were interested to see what this could be and they did it because they thought it was fun and that has permutated the entire project everyone working on this which I've said that a couple of times, we've had six years of time when anyone could have gone, wait, 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 this is a terrible idea. Or like, wait, 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 this can't be done. Or wait, 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 this is too difficult or too expensive or it takes too long. Or No one ever said that. No investors, no one working on the project in any of the departments. Everyone just went, okay, let's do it. And, and I think that's partly because it's, it's been so much fun. It's creating this madness from scratch that we have just been coasting on a wave of of love for the work and love for this show and and love for each other in this group of people who made this happen and and that feeling lingers in here still and hopefully it will for a long time you need to fill the seats for it to work why do you think people come i'm not sure why they come but i think i know why they stay and and part of that has to do with the fact that even though abba aren't physically here i think the audience very clearly feels that ABBA created this. This is from ABBA. The, everything in this building and what you hear and what you see comes from them. This is not a franchise. We're not a, a corporation who, who, who took a piece of intellectual property and made something. This was ABBA who wanted to do this. And they have been involved in every detail of it. And this is their show. Every night, this is their show. And I think, I think people feel that. And I think that they feel the spirit of ABBA in everything and that's part of why it's nice being in here because you feel connected to them perhaps even more so again than you would have had they actually been here and that's a strange thing to say but I think that's partly true. Svana Gisla and Ludwig Andersson there speaking to me at the ABBA Arena where ABBA Voyage is on until May 2023. You've been listening to The Weekly with me, Georgina Godwin. Many thanks to the team of Nora Hall and Jack Dewars. Thanks for listening. <laughs>